right. Well, as I told you this morning, we are going to be back in Philippians chapter number one to begin with uh, tonight. And so Philippians chapter number one, we'll look at verse number six uh, here again in just a moment. And this morning, uh, I shared our theme for this year, which is working till he comes. And Philippians uh, chapter one, verse six, of course, will be our theme verse for the year. Uh, We put all the themes together this morning, kind of like footsteps, a strong foundation looking forward, making a difference, laboring together through Christ by faith, pressing on, growing in grace, standing for the truth, working till he comes. This morning we considered the matter of God's work in us. Uh, So let's look at our verse again, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And tonight I want us to consider uh, the subject God's work through us. Because as we look at Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, we realize the one who's doing the work here is God. And so we're going to, we look this morning at his work in us. We'll look tonight at his work through us. Let's pray. Father, we again are thankful for the opportunity to gather here. Thank you for these uh, who've come out tonight, and we pray that you'll uh, bless us uh, with, Lord, by touching us with your spirit through your word. Uh, I pray that you'd uh, give us what we need for this hour. Uh, Be with the many uh, that are unable to be with us tonight. Lord, I pray that you just work in hearts and lives as only you can. And I pray that as we would uh, consider your word tonight and then in a little bit, Uh, the blessings of the past year and then the year to come. I pray, Lord, that that our hearts would just rejoice at how good you've been, how good you are, and just who you are. I pray that you'll help us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, we saw the truths that God's work for us planned salvation. God's work to us purchased salvation. God's work in us provides and proves salvation, and God's work for us protects salvation. But you know, and I know, that His salvation is not meant to be held privately. It is meant to be proclaimed to the world. So turn with me to James chapter number 2. James chapter number 2. We'll look at a few verses here. And consider how God desires to work through us to propagate His salvation to all people. What I want us to see here in James chapter number 2, as we're uh, introducing our thought tonight, is if we're going to work for the Lord till He comes, we must allow Him to do His work in us and then be willing to work with Him so that He can work through us. Look with me, James chapter 2 and verse 14. James chapter 2 and verse 14. The Bible says, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man, look at the word, say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? You realize that you can profess salvation with your lips while not possessing salvation in your life. 
Matthew chapter 7, verses 22 and 23, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you depart from me, ye that work iniquity. See, you can say it, but not show it. And if what you show doesn't match what you say, do you really have what you say? 1 John chapter 1 and verse 6, If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Look with me at verse 17 of James chapter number 2. James 2 verse 17, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. We say it this way. True faith yields true fruit. Now understand tonight, the fruit does not make the tree, but the fruit demonstrates and validates the tree. John chapter 15 Verses 4 and 5, Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So how do we abide in Christ? Faith. How do we abide in Christ? Faith. What happens when we abide in Christ? Fruit. So we abide in Christ by faith. When we abide in Christ, we bear fruit. It's the natural result. Look at verse 20 of James chapter number 2. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Now think with me for a moment. We're talking about the the fruit and the tree. Think with me. Just put yourself in this place. You'll you'll enjoy this. It's late summer. Just put yourself in that place. Yeah, brother, brother Tom's he's sweating already back there. It's late summer, and you have ten apple trees. Nine of the trees are covered with leaves, and apples are hanging on the branches. But that tenth tree not only has no apples, but no leaves at all. You would say that that tree is dead. Faith without works is dead. Look at verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead... So faith without works is dead also. Here's the point. Works are the fruit that display the life of the faith. We do not, we understand this tonight, we do not and cannot work to be saved. However, if we are saved, we should want to work out what God works in. 
the inworking of the life and the love that the believer receives from God should grow, it should produce, and it should display an outworking of precious fruit. What kind of fruit? Holy Spirit fruit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Y'all are clicking right along tonight. You're getting it. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. The fruit proves the faith. Now, turn with me to the book of Jude. Right before Revelation, the one chapter epistle of Jude. So what God works in us through salvation, that's received by faith. And sanctification, that's realized by faith, will produce some service that's rendered through faith because of the fruit. Again, the true believer will not have to be demanded to work, but will be delighted to work because of the work that God is already doing in and through the believer. And again, it's all about the work of God. So I want to give you seven things. Seven's a good number. Seven things that work out of us when God works in us and through us. Seven things. Number one is this, consecration. Consecration. Verse 20 of Jude. It says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. There should be an increase in desire to love God and His Word, to learn from God's Word, and to live in God's will. If God is doing a work in you, and you want the Lord to work through you, there is going to be this increased desire to get closer to the Lord by your love for Him, by your love for His Word, by your uh, learning from His Word, by your living in His will. If you say that you're trusting God's love for you, but it has not increased your love for Him, something's missing. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love. If you're willing to live the same old way with the Lord as you lived without the Lord, something's wrong. That's why it burdens me, these people who say, well, I I said this prayer and now I'm saved and nothing changes in their life. There's got to be some fruit. Jesus said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Ought to be something to show for that. Again, we don't work to be saved, but because we are saved and God works in us, He can work through us as well. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, the Bible says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior 
Jesus Christ. This matter of consecration, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, will require diligence, devotion, and dedication. But if you want to know, you'll grow. And if you grow, it'll show. Wasn't that neat? I'm a poet, I guess. Let him that lack wisdom ask of God which giveth liberally. You say, I want to know more about the Lord. God's not going to tell you no. You say, well, I don't know as much as I want to know. That's not God's fault. And it's this matter now of consecration. This is the the first now working in our lives. As God works in us, if He's going to work through us, then the vessel has to be prepared for Him to do the work. Consecration. Number two, communication. Communication. Verse 20 goes on in the book of Jude to say, praying in the Holy Ghost. There should be an increase in desire not only to talk to the Lord, wait a minute, but to listen to Him as well. You say, well, why? Because you'll want to know His direction. And you'll want to yield to His influence and you'll want to seek his hand and his help and you'll want to see his power john 16 and verse 13 the bible says how be it when he the spirit of truth is come he will guide you into all truth for he shall not speak of himself but whatsoever he shall hear that shall he speak and he will show you things to come questions if you won't listen to the lord How can He lead you? It's so simple and we miss it so often. If we just won't simply listen to the Lord, how can we expect Him to lead us? We're not hearing His directions. If you won't speak to the Lord, how can He sustain you? You know, Jesus said, ask, seek, knock. So there's this matter of consecration. There's this matter of communication. But number three, cooperation. It's an interesting verse. Verse 21 of the book of Jude. Keep yourselves in the love of God. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? You say, wait a minute. Preacher, you said that I can't save myself. You can't. You said, I can't keep myself saved. You can't. Well, then how in the world am I supposed to keep myself in the love of God? It's interesting, isn't it? It's a little perplexing. There should be an increase in desire to yield to the Lord, to yield to His Word, His will, and His way. Listen to what Amos says in chapter 3 and verse 3 of the book of Amos. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Now the question for us, how can we expect to do a work for God if we walk away from Him because we want to have it our way? Can two walk together except they be agreed? See, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11 and verses 29 and 30, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me encourage you tonight. You want to see the Lord work in your life. Get in the yoke 
with Christ. Wait a minute. It doesn't stop there. Let Him lead. So it used to be, and I've seen these uh, before, uh, they had these special cars for like driver education. And they had two steering wheels. Maybe some of you all have seen those before. So the student driver sitting there, you know, and, and driving, driving along. But at any point, the instructor could reach out and grab the wheel. Our problem the majority of the time is we'll say, yeah, I'll get in the yoke with Christ, but I'm the one that's going to steer. And it doesn't work that way. We have to cooperate with God. We keep ourselves in the love of God by staying in the yoke with Christ, by letting Him lead our life, because you're only going to wreck your life if you won't let go of the reins. So there's consecration, communication, cooperation. Get myself confused here. Number four, consideration. Consideration. Verse 21 goes on to say, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So when we think of this matter of consideration, there should be an increase in dependent trust in the Lord's presence, in His power, and in His promises. In the book of Psalms, in Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4, the psalmist writes, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Have you ever just stopped to think and consider the wonder that it is how the God of heaven who created this great big universe and everything in it has his eye on little old you? There was, it was years ago, uh, I was flying uh, for the job that I had from one place to another, and I had to change planes in Chicago in O'Hare Airport. And uh, so I get off the one plane, and I go to the gate, and I get on the next plane, and it's just about the time where the, the you know, you can still see, there's still a little light out, but the sun is down, and, and everything's getting dark, and all the lights are starting to come on. So I'm sitting by the window. I prefer that seat on the plane by the window. You say, why? Because I don't like for that cart to bang into my elbow when it goes by. And I'm wider than a plane seat. Amen. You know, I always thought that plane seats ought to be determined by the width of shoulders. You know, but they're like, no, you know, you're like a triangle. So everybody's in there battling for shoulder room. But I'm sitting by the window and it's, you know, we're getting, we're getting ready to take off and I've got the shade up and I'm looking out and the lights are starting to come on. I said, well, this is going to be pretty. We're going to fly out from Chicago. And I quickly just uh, continued my prayer, Lord, to pray, give me a safe flight all the way home. And uh, the plane takes off and as it takes off and as it banks, I happen to look out the window. And it's just nothing. It's just like pitch black. And I'm like, okay, we're over the lake. That's, that's good. I, I know where we're at. And then the plane starts to turn. And all of a sudden, I start to see all of these lights. And I mean, just thousands of lights. And as I was looking out that window of that plane, I just became overwhelmed with the thought, I don't know how many people are down there 
But God knows everyone, what they're doing, what they're thinking. It overwhelmed me to the point I had to pull the shade down. It was just it was too much for my head to handle. And yet somehow, and go back to the previous point about cooperation, somehow we think God gives us the privilege now to work with Him and we're going to tell Him how to do His work. We have to consider the fact of just how big God is. And you say, well, why does that make a difference? I'll tell you why. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verses 27 and 28, you'd also know it by Matthew chapter number 6, but consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not, and yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothe the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will He clothe you, O ye of little faith? We have to stop and think, what are we looking for in life? Are we looking for all we can gain? Or are we looking for the life that only God can give? Consideration. Number five, compassion. Compassion. Now, this was our uh, theme verse a few years back. Uh, compassion, verse 22. And of some have compassion, making a difference. Now, watch how this goes now. You follow along in consecration and in communication and in cooperation and in consideration. It's amazing how your compassion is going to grow. And of some have compassion, making a difference. Now don't get in a hurry and say, that means that there's some that I don't have to show compassion. No, you know, the next verse gives us the other chunk. And of some have compassion, making a difference. There should be an increase in our desire and our diligence to win the lost to Christ. Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 and 37, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. There is too much focus in this day towards making a temporary difference when we ought to be focused on making an eternal difference. Proverbs 11.30 tells us the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he that winneth souls is wise. As God works in us, what would we uh, ask Him? Would we resolve in our hearts uh, to ask Him to let the compassion that moved the Savior move ourselves into action? I was listening uh, to a fellow preach oh, it's close to 45 years ago. It was the message. I, I listened to it a couple days ago, not 45 years ago. But this message was from 45 years ago. And, and uh, as this preacher is uh, preaching his message, he, he uh, recounts this 
story about how was the, there was this fellow that the Lord had put on his heart and he knew that this fellow was lost and he had a burden for this man and he prayed for him and he prayed for him and he prayed for him and it said he said two times he he uh you know witnessed tried to witness to this man the man was like I know it but that's not for me two times some time went by and he gets this call and it's from this man's wife and it says look he's just about to die could you please come over and talk? So he goes over and he talks to this man again and the same response. Next day, the man dies. Now, again, no one knows. You know, did this man in the last moments of his life have that opportunity to trust Christ or not? You know, no one knows. But at the funeral, the preacher was saying, at the, at the funeral, this fellow comes up to him at the funeral and says that he is related to this man who has passed away. And he, he, he sort of grabs a hold of him and he said, Preacher, did you share the gospel with him? He said, I did. Every chance I, that I had, I shared the gospel with him. I prayed for him and all of this. And he said, and I thought that was going to be the end of the story. He said, and what he said next, what he asked next, he said, absolutely drove me to my knees. Here was the question. Preacher, did you do all that you could do? Did you do the best that you could do? Now see, we have to answer that. We're either going to answer it now or we're going to answer it when we stand before Christ at the judgment seat. This matter of compassion, hey, let us not be folks that are of this opinion, hey, I got mine, let everybody else figure out how to get theirs. Because God's got enough grace to save the world. But we got to get the seed out of the barn. Now remember, this isn't a work that you do on your own. God works in you, and then God works through you, we already talked about consecration. We talked about communication. Hey, are we asking the Lord for opportunities to share the gospel? Are we asking the Lord to point us in the direction that we would have an encounter with one that needs to hear? Are we looking to make a difference? Compassion. Number six is courage. Verse 23 It says, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Number six is courage. There should be an increase in our dedication to do whatever it takes to keep others out of hell. Now, there are some people and there are some situations. You probably can think of some where it's going to require the strength and boldness that only the Lord can give for us to reach out. Think of Stephen in Acts chapter 7 and verse 51. We think of this matter of courage. In Acts chapter 7 and verse 51, as Stephen is preaching now, this is what he says. Well, this is great. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. (laughs) Just right to the point. 
Ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. That sounds more caustic than compassionate, right? Right? But it was a heart that was filled with compassion, that was willing now and had the God-given courage to stand in the face of the adversary and in love speak the truth. Here's the truth. But in verse 54 of Acts chapter 7, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. Boy, that's what God does. And they gnashed on Him with their teeth. But He, being full of the Holy Ghost, see, God's got to do the work in us being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Verse 58, these same people cast Him out of the city and stoned Him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. There are some people, there are some situations where it's going to require the strength and the boldness that I said that we're going to need to have the courage to stand up and speak to these people, to reach out to these people. But there are some people in some situations where not only will you need the strength and boldness to speak, but you're going to need that strength to reach out and rescue I want you to consider with me. You say, what in the world? Stephen preached that message. What good was that? He, he preached it and they threw rocks at him until he died. I want you to consider the results. Stephen was able to pull one from the fire. That one would later go on to pull countless others from the fire. That man named Saul heard the gospel that day and he was the enemy of God and yet he had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus and his life was changed forever. Amen. And look at the missionary journeys of Paul. You, you realize that half of the New Testament of your Bible, God used Paul to, uh, to, to pen. It's going to take some courage. Now you and I may not see in the moment what good is this going to do, but God help us to have some boldness, to have some courage, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the willingness now to stand. And I'm telling you, we're going to need that courage more than ever in the coming days. And of some have compassion making a difference, and others... Save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. You realize that uh, when we think of firefighters, we call them heroes. They run in when everyone else runs out. Why don't we just sign up and become God's firefighters? And start rescuing folks from the flames of hell. Friends, if you have forgotten, there is a real hell. There is a real place where uh, now condemned souls will spend eternity. And they need to hear the gospel. Well, I'm so glad for the day that one came my way and shared the gospel with me. 
And you say, well, that person didn't save you. No, but they gave me the Word of God and the powers in the Word of God, but they had enough courage now to pull one from the fire. Number seven is conviction. See, it doesn't do you much good to have compassion and courage if you don't have the right conviction. Verse 23 ends by saying, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. There should be an increase in our departure from sin and our delight in holiness. And if you remember from verse 20, it is a most holy faith. Wait wait a minute. It's not mainly holy faith. It's not maybe holy faith. It's not make me happy faith. It is a most holy faith. Why? Because it's God in God's work, not me. First Peter chapter 1 verses 15 and 16, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. See, while working to rescue the perishing, we have to be careful to remain vigilant that we avoid their perishing practices. I saw something a while back that really perplexed me. Well, in, I'll just let me step back a little farther. In, in 1994, I had the privilege uh, to go with my uh, uh, National Guard unit to Germany for a few weeks. And, uh, boy, that was an adventure in and of itself. But uh, as we're driving along, uh, you know, Europe, where there was a you know, great awakening and a great revival and missionaries were sent out. And and what a bastion for truth. And when we got over there in 1994, what a place of darkness. Wait a minute. This country is following the same pattern. But in 1994, we were over there and we got a, a couple of days to go around and see the sights. And I won't bore you with all those details. But one thing struck me as funny or interesting, odd, strange. Let me see how many more uh, uh, thesaurus words we can, you know, pull. It was just it was just very odd to me. We're driving down the road, and I look over, and there's this Lutheran church, just ornate building, just beautiful, old, old, old building, just beautiful building. On their sign, Saturday morning, pancakes and beer. 1994. Just a couple of months ago, I happened to be browsing around on the internet, and there's a new thing going on now, Bible study and beer among so-called Christianity. What I'm saying is, see, well, and we'll, they'll, they'll use the verse where Paul said, I am all things to all men, uh, to all men that by some means I may save some, or that's, is that close enough, Brother Cusick? Okay. I apologize. I didn't get the punctuation right there. Where this idea is that I'm gonna conform myself to the sinner to reach the sinner. Hating the garment, Spotted by the flesh. 
We are supposed to now be holy. Yes, we reach sinners. But there, we've got to have something to reach them with. We're not going to reach them being the same as they are. That's not compassion. That's conforming to the world's image, not to the image of Christ. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Now, because of His work in us, we can have confidence that He will work through us if we will choose to humbly surrender our all to Him and simply stay close to Him. Look at verse 24. Now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. I'm telling you, that's going to be a joyful day. Oh, I don't deserve to be presented false, uh, uh, presented faultless. But the Bible says that He will present us faultless before the presence of His glory. How's He going to do that? His righteousness. Amen. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Amen. I close tonight with this. And we have to we have to really be careful. I, I'll, I'll tell you, I I want to do a good work for the Lord. That, that that's my heart's desire. I want to do something profitable and something uh, that matters, something that makes a difference for the Lord. I do. But I get myself in a bad place when I start to think that I can do that. On my own. And I'm afraid that there are a lot of people that have got to this place in their Christian life where they're like, well, I already know how to do that, so I don't need to depend on the Lord. Friends, we have to depend on Him because it's not about what we can do. It's about what He wants to do and can do and will do through us if we are willing that leads us to a question and we're done. Are you willing to let God work in you and through you? Our heads are bowed tonight. We'll pray.